Today on Jesus, Sex, and Politics, Nathan is out of town, so it's just me flying solo. What we're going to do, we're going to jump into where is Senate Bill 1 in Indiana? Senate Bill 1 is the anti-abortion law that is being pushed through right now, the Indiana General Assembly, and we're going to give you an update on what it is, uh, what needs to change about it, and where Indiana should go when it comes to banning abortion uh, in our great state. Hang on, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Let's roll. Welcome to the Jesus Sex and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah, and Nathan's out of town, so I'm just going to talk to you all those things the culture doesn't want to talk about. That will probably scare you. So Nathan, as I said in the intro there, he is out of town. He's uh, He was at, in Alabama at a conference. We took some of our staff from the church down there, and so, uh, so he's on his way back. I think it was a great time, but um, we've been texting back and forth, and uh, I was excited to jump into today's podcast uh, because... This was a, uh, this, if you haven't been following with the news in Indiana, we are in a battle. Starting on Monday this past week, the session, uh, the, the the state legislature had called a special session. If in Indiana we only meet, uh, our general assembly only meets from January to March or January to April. It's a part time legislature. Legislature they just go through and you know get all the stuff done early in the year, and then they go back to living their lives and in doing what they do, which I think is great. I don't think we should have state legislatures that are full time. I mean, you look at places like New Hampshire or um, you know, there's I think I'm I'm positive New Hampshire is, but there's other states too that are full-time. I think Michigan might be full-time as well. Uh, but then you have some states that are biannual. I think Texas might be, uh, might be biannual. So they, they actually meet, um, uh, every other year, I believe. So, um, anyway, that's in Indiana, that's how we roll here at the beginning of each year is when our session starts and then we get things done. But because of the overturning of Roe, praise the Lord, uh, lift that scourge off of uh, America. Now the states get to decide what they're going to do about it. So we are in this battle. And and so we initially had a special session called a long time ago because we were going to do a big tax refund and a billion dollars of Hoosier taxpayer money is going back to Hoosiers, which means you're going to get about 250 bucks if you <laughs> live in Indiana, which I'm like, guys, that doesn't even fill up our gas tank anymore. Like just keep the money. And how about you like maybe cut our gas tax? I don't know. That'd be 63 cents on the dollar. Like that, that would probably go a little bit longer than, and, you know, 250 bucks that you're going to send back to our bank account. And you're going to say, Oh, look how good we are to you. Uh, thank you for giving us back some of our money that you stole from us. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what I want to tell them. But, uh, anyway, that's not where we're going with today's podcast, but that's why the special session was called. And so now, uh, because Roe was overturned, they were saying they, the leadership said, okay, we're going to address the abortion issue and we're going to get this uh, figured out in Indiana. So that's where we are. So Monday, the session kicked off and I had a chance to go down both Monday and Tuesday. I'm going to tell you about both those experiences here and then we're going to get into where the bill currently stands and some of the arguments, both sensical and nonsensical uh, on both sides of the issue. So Monday, I went down to the state house and I didn't necessarily know what to expect. I mean, I kind of had an idea, but it was the pro-abortion, it was a pro-abortion side of things. And so I I walked in and I was I did a press conference. There was a few other people, there's about 10 of us, uh, someone from Jim Banks's, Congressman Jim Banks was there. 
and myself and some other pro-life conservative leaders in the state. And so we did this press conference. And as I was getting ready to go up to the podium to speak and all the cameras are there, you know, from all the different uh, news stations and stuff. And and uh, I get up there to speak. I hear this like screeching sound coming from the other side of the building. And it was where all the uh, pro-abortion people were at. But it just, it was like, a, uh, it was a sound that I really had never heard before. And being in the Capitol, you know, that uh, sound just, it echoes. It echoes all throughout that room. And I just kind of got louder and louder and louder. I'm telling you what, it was so demonic sounding. I mean, I leaned over to the lady next to me. I said, if that doesn't sound like the gates of hell just opened up and those are the the screams of demons mad that we are potentially taking their innocent blood, their child sacrifice from them. I don't know what, what, (laughs) I don't know what it does. You know, if that does, if that doesn't sound like demonic screams, I don't know what is, you know? So, and, and it really was, and you know, the, the news outlets were like, Pastor Michael Beckwith calls everybody demons. That's not what I said. I said it sound it, it, God, think about it this way. The Holy Spirit, God himself speaks through people, right? The Spirit of God will speak through people. It doesn't mean I'm God when he speaks through me. It just means that his spirit is speaking through me, all right? So I'm not, I'm not God. I'm, not, I'm just a man, but God is speaking through me. Well, guess what? The other side of the battle, they do the same thing. Demonic spirits also speak through people. Doesn't mean they're demons. It just means that demonic spirits are using them to speak their lies, to scream out their filth, and that's what was happening. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a Christian and you're pro-abortion, pro-choice, you're not in alignment with Jesus. I'm telling you, like pure and simple. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian per se, but it means you're not in alignment with Christ and you need to get into alignment with Christ. I, I would tell I would tell everybody on either side of the issue, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, align yourself with Christ. Align yourself with the truth of God's word. That is the end all be all. I do not care if, what party you're in, in. I don't care if you're conservative, liberal, doesn't matter. I you align with Christ and you'll be good. But if you are on the choice side of things, quote unquote, because it's not really a choice, but if you're on that like pro-choice, it's We'll get into this another time, but how how the left confiscates uh, language and changes words around. Like, choice sounds so good, right? Yeah, I'm going to choose to murder my child, but it's choice. It's women's health care, reproductive rights, right? Reproducting. It's like, you know, it's the same same thing like a, a wife beater says, I, I, have the, uh, I, I have a choice to beat my wife. It's just marriage. It's just marriage, uh, uh, you know, a conflict resolution. <laughs> you know, I beat my wife. It's just conflict resolution. You know, get out of my house, government. <laughs> we would say, no, you're an idiot and you need to be punished and justice needs to step in and protect your wife, right? That's what we would say. Any rational person would think that. So so it's kind of the same argument that the pro-choice, the pro-abortion movement's using is like, hey, it's my body, my choice. So I was down there and all of these pro-abortion people, there's probably close to seven, 800 people in the building. I think there was a few hundred more outside the building, but um, in the building. So they were just screaming. I mean, it was vitriol after this just... Uh, uh, tons of cussing in the, you know, there were signs that were like, you know, F, F the government, like get out of my body, you know, uh, they, and, and, and so some people on that side, they know who I am. And so like, I'd walk by people and they'd be flipping me off. And I went to, went around the corner and, uh, there was a whole line, probably 50, 60 protesters behind the ropes. And I was kind of in the aisle, just walking the aisle. And I come around the corner and like a couple of them saw me and they're like, 
F you preacher man. And they all start booing me and like cussing at me and flipping me off. So me being me, I think it's hilarious. And I'm, I'm, I, I love, you know, jumping into a demonic hornet's nest and just bringing the truth of God, like a, you know, like a hammer uh, down on them. Right. And so I just, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm a little cocky sometimes. So uh, I just smile real big and I start blowing them all kisses. I'm like, mwah, mwah. I'm like, you know, my hands going up just like a queen would do or something, you know, just blowing kisses. And, oh, I just made them mad. I, I just, it was almost like, you know, they just, you know, wanted to jump over those ropes and, you know, uh, you know, pound me. But anyway, that's, so that was kind of the day. Uh, I'll tell you about a conversation that I had with a couple ladies um, as I was walking by there. There's that preacher man. There's that preacher man. You know, he's doing those videos. I hear him say that. So I stop and say, Hey, what's going on guys? How are you? And they're, they kind of are shocked. I think they stopped. They're like, well, we, you, you, uh, uh, you're that preacher, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm, I preach. I'm, you know, I tell people the truth of God's word. And that's what I like to do. That's what I do, you know? And they, uh, <laughs> And so one of the ladies was, uh, she just started, you know, she's like, I, I've been to your church before and, and you're, you're pastor Nathan. Now Nathan's not here to defend himself. And I haven't even told Nathan the story yet. So, uh, it, you know, he's probably here. You'll hear it on Jesus, sex and politics, but she's, your pastor Nathan kicked me out. And then she goes in and she tells the story. And I very quickly realized like Nathan would not have kicked her out. Uh, she got offended over something Nathan was preaching from the word of God. And she took offense to that and left. But uh, she had a daughter there too. Uh, she had a, probably about 15 year old daughter. And the daughter actually at one point during the conversation, because I was, you know, standing for pro-life and defending life in the womb and outside the womb. And she's like, you don't get to have an opinion because you're not a woman. And, uh, and, and I, so this is what I do. Just so you guys know, this is, this is how I roll. Um, I just, I just play the, by their rules. Okay. So I, you got to know the rules of the left. Okay, so that you can play by the rules of the left, so that you can defeat the left. <laughs> okay, so this is how you this is how you roll. Know your friends, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, right? So I love studying the rules of engagement for the left because they have they have um, you know they have sacred things, they have sacraments, they have things that you're not allowed to uh, you know that that you cannot touch because it's sacred. One of those things is is your gender. And, uh, and, and if you want to assume that you're a different gender than what biologically, you know, you are, then you're, you have a right to do that. And so when this, when this, uh, young girl said, you don't have a right to have an opinion on abortion because you're not a woman. I said, well, good news. I identify as a woman today. And she like stopped and jumped back and just kind of was a little shocked. And her mom was also a little shocked too. And, uh, and they couldn't, I think they were trying to figure out if they, if I was like, yeah, if I was messing with them or what. And then the lady next to them. So there's a third, third lady who was, uh, she's a former Baptist. She, she's like, I grew up fundamental Baptist and religion is what drove me away from God. And I'm no, I'm an atheist now and all this stuff. And so she looks at the other two, the daughter and the mom that <laughs> I was talking to. She's like, don't believe him. He's lying. And I look at her and I said, um, excuse me, how dare you? say that I'm lying. This is who I identify as. And you have no right to tell me I can't identify as a woman. And she's like, well, are you? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to identify as a woman right now. I'm identifying as a woman so I can speak out on behalf of women like myself everywhere. <laughs> and I said, and I'm frankly, uh, I'm, I'm appalled that you, a fellow woman, would be attacking me, another woman, when we got, we got battles that we got to go out and defend against men 
you know, on, with other, with, on other fronts. <laughs> so, I mean, she didn't know what to do. And she's like, well, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. I said, well, if you can tell me that you don't believe me, then I get to tell everyone else who identifies as a different sex than what their biology says. I don't believe them. Is that the rules you want to say? Well, no, that's not. You can't. That's not what I'm saying. No, people can identify as whatever gender they want to identify. I said, okay, fine. Then I'm identifying as a woman. So I can have the moral authority to speak out on abortion. So back off. <laughs> and then at that point, there was no joke. There was another lady behind them. So a fourth lady who's wearing a mask, by the way. And she, so I couldn't really see what she was saying, but she started tapping the, all three of them on the shoulder. And she was just kind of like, she was giving them the, you know, cut it out kind of thing. Like, uh, just don't talk to him. Just don't talk to him. Like, this is what he wants you to do. Stop engaging. Right. And so they, you could tell they still wanted to engage me, but they were, you know, they were being told not to engage me. So, so, uh, at that point, the conversation was wrapping up and I just kind of, what I left it, I said, Hey, your master doesn't want you to talk to me anymore. You should probably listen to your master, which <laughs> took them off even more. Okay. But I tell you that story because this is the rules of engagement that you need to learn how to play by when you are dealing with nonsensical demonic ideology that the left lives by. Okay. So again, now, now, now these ladies, they actually commented later that night on my Facebook post. And they were like, you don't love us and all this stuff. I said, I absolutely love you. I love you all very much. What I don't love are the lies from the pits of hell that you're, that you're spewing. And I'm going to stop those lies from going any further if there's anything I can do about it. Because truth sets people free. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free is what, what the book, what in John is what Christ tells us. And so the devil hates freedom. And, and what he's doing is he's deceived these people, like these three or four, like the, I guess I engage with four women in this, in this line here, and uh, he's deceived them. He knows that if he can keep them from the truth, he can oppress them and keep them in bondage. That's, that's what's going on here. So it's our job as Christians in the church to open our mouths, to speak out and proclaim truth so that people can be set free. The devil hates freedom. Freedom and, tyranny, freedom and liberty, the devil hates it. Tyranny and communism, that is the religion of Satan. All right. And he does that because it's all, it all has to deal with, with self. It all has to do with selfishness and selfish gain. And people aspire to rule over others because of selfishness. So all of that to say, this is where we were on Monday, right? Okay. So then Tuesday, we actually have a big pro-life rally. We take about three busloads of people down from the church here at Life Church. And there were um, other buses from around the state that were coming. Our good friend Ron Johnson up at Crown Point, Living Stones Church. Uh, they, took, they took a couple buses down. And, uh, and so the Tuesday, I'm going to tell you what, totally different, totally different environment. And this, like we were singing songs of praise uh, before the rally. There were probably about 1,200 people in the, in the state house for the pro-life rally. People were just like calling on the name of Jesus. There were prayers going up. People were singing songs of praise. I mean, it was, it was really cool. And I, I just have to say that I was, I, it, it was night and day difference. If you've never been around something like that, you need to actually like go into a demonic place where, where the voices of the of hell are being proclaimed. And then if you can, then go into another place where the voices of heaven are being proclaimed. It is going to be a completely different feeling, a completely different feeling. And, and, and that's what it was. It was light and dark. It was, it was good versus evil. And, and so we had that. So that was going on Tuesday. All right. So now 
uh, what was happening both Monday and Tuesday was the Senate. And we're going to go back into the legislative part of this whole process now. So now what was happening was the Senate was hearing testimony, what they call first reading. So a bill was presented and it was called SB1. And, and the funny thing is, leave it to Republicans to tick off everybody, you know, supermajority Republican legislature in Indiana, and they can't make anybody happy. The one thing that on Monday that the pro-lifers who were down there and the 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 pro-abortion people who were down there. And then on Tuesday uh, for the pro-life rally, same thing. There were some pro-abortion people that were protesting as well. But if you would have asked everybody both days, Monday and Tuesday, if they liked Senate bill one, <laughs> everybody would have said, no, we hate it. <laughs> Which this is when I'm trying to coach my, you know, Republican friends. And I say, guys, what are you doing? Stop pandering to the left you're not going to make them happy. Like just be bold, conservative, constitutionally minded Republicans. Yeah. I know it's going to tick off the left, but they're already going to be ticked off. You're not going to win them. You're not going to win them over for some reason. We've thought it possible both in the church world, the good, the good world. I would say people who are on the side of goodness and righteousness. This happens all the time. People think that they can pet a demon and the demon will leave them alone. Okay, so you pet the ideology of the demonic, and you're like, "Well, if I just give them a bone and throw them a little bit, like they'll be, they'll treat me better too." No, I'm telling you right now, the demonic is not here to treat anybody better. The demonic is here to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. That's what the demonic does. Okay, so so here we are. We are uh, we're at this 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 Monday. They start hearing. They start hearing all of these. Um, uh, testimonies for Senate Bill 1. So people are testifying both for, uh, for the bill and against the bill. And again, there's not too many people who are for the bill on either side. And then Wednesday, so that's Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, Tuesday night, sorry, let me step back. Tuesday night, it gets voted out of committee. So first reading. And there's 12 senators who get to vote it out of committee whether or not this bill should go to the floor of the Senate so that it can be heard by all 50 senators in Indiana and that they can bring amendments to the bill. And it does, it vote gets voted out of, mid, uh, of committee, I think it was seven to five. But it was funny, even uh, all the Democrats voted against it. I think there was one Republican who voted against it. The Republicans who did vote for it, even a lot of them said, we hate this bill, it's a terrible bill, we're only voting for it because we want to get it to the floor so that we can amend it on the floor. And I'm just like, well, it'd been better if you guys would have write, wrote, written a better bill and just brought that to the committee and we could have just started from something good instead of, they do this all the time. This is, if you can tell my frustration, it's like this happens more often than not when it's <laughs> just get it, just get it in the committee. It's kind of like when Nancy Pelosi said, we just got to pass the bill to find out what's in it. Right. They, they always seem to like, just say, well, we'll fix it as we go. But how many, how many of you are listening? If I can get an amen, if you're in your car listening to this or at the gym listening to this, just say amen if you believe this. How many know that the government doesn't do a good job of going back and righting the wrongs that it it perpetrated? <laughs> like, like the government is not good at fixing its own mistakes. If anything, it just continues to build on its own mistakes and make it worse over time. The nine most terrifying words in the English language, uh, as Ronald Reagan liked to say, uh, are I'm here with the government, or I'm with the government and I'm here to help. Nine most terrifying words in the English language. And and that's so true. So you have government saying, well, if we can just get it to the Senate floor, we'll fix it. Well, okay, I don't think that's going to happen. But that's where we are. So that was uh, Wednesday and then yesterday, Thursday, um, we saw this uh, this floor, this floor bill come to the floor for amendments. 
And this bill has no, at the time, it had no enforcement mechanisms. It outlawed abortion. What Senate Bill 1 does is it outlaws abortion, uh, except for in the case of rape and incest, except for in the case of life of the mother, um, at zero weeks. But it says that we're going to ban abortion at zero weeks. So, But here's the caveat with it. There's no uh, there's no enforcement mechanism. So Senate Bill really one and really had no way to enforce it. So people could have still gotten abortions, and it's like, well, technically you're breaking the law. Okay, what are you going to do about it, government? Well, we can't really do anything about it because the statute doesn't have any enforcement mechanism. So that was a bill that was kind of just lip service to the pro-life community all while trying to toe the line and make the liberal leftist community happy. And in so doing, they didn't make anybody happy. So here we are. That's, that's sort of an update. So now, uh, last night, Thursday night, late into the night, the senators heard 63 amendments to this bill. Okay. 63 amendments. Um, a couple good amendments. There was a, an amendment um, that did pass, and that was amendment number three brought by Senator Freeman, and that actually gave the Attorney General concurrent jurisdiction. Now, let me just talk about that one just for a second, because amendment number three is um, with concurrent jurisdiction. It, it basically says that if a prosecutor in a county in Indiana is not going to prosecute a lawbreaker for breaking the law and going through with abortion after this bill has gone into law, then the attorney general can come in and actually enforce the law. Now on face value, I think you would say, okay, that's good. We, if we have a liberal leftist prosecutor who like we have one in Indianapolis right now for Marion County, his name's Ryan Mears. He's a leftist. He's already publicly come out and said that he's not going to prosecute any um, abortion cases, even if it, even if the legislature passes a, an abortion ban. So that's kind of where this bill came from. But here, this is where you need to be careful because think about it if you had a really f- bad leftist attorney general. That's, kind of, that's where you always have to go. Your mind always needs to go to what happens if somebody who is not good gets this type of power, okay? So that's where my mind goes. So attorney general, right now we have, his name is Todd Rikita, good con- constitutional conservative. Uh, he's kind of a Trump-esque kind of guy, just you know says what he's thinking and doesn't care who he ticks off, which I like that. I think I wish we had more people like that. Um, but but he but he understands his constitutional authority. We actually had him into our church a couple weeks ago for a town hall that he did. And he just, everything that he would come back to, you'd have parents that were saying, do something about CRT in the schools. Like, get it out of the schools. Okay, which is a great issue. Like, I want all the CRT crap out of the schools. But to Todd Rakita's credit, what he would say is like, I can't. I don't have the constitutional authority to go in and, and remove that. There has to be certain things that have to happen before I can actually do anything about that. And so everything that Todd Rakita did, he came back to, well, my constitutional authority is this. And if you want that, if you want me to have more const- more authority, then you're going to have to go to the legislature and you're going to have to make law that gives me more authority to do that. Okay. So, so I, I, I appreciated that a ton. And I know it would be nice just to say, give somebody all the power to go in and fix it. That's great when that person's a good person. But the, mo- the problem is you give that person all the power to go in and fix it. Well, then the next person who comes after that person doesn't have power or doesn't have a good heart and takes all that power and abuses it. There was a famous Roman. His name was Lucius Cincinnatus. And um, this was probably, oh gosh, I think it was in the 
400, 458 BC, I believe. Uh, don't hold me to that, but I believe that's about the time this occurred. And and the the Romans were they were trying to gain their their foothold. They hadn't they hadn't become the superpower yet, but they had a Senate, okay, and they were fighting uh, uh, a tribal people. Um, but it wasn't going well. And there was, there was this clause in the Roman Senate where they could give dictatorial power to one person for six months to go in a, in a state of emergency. And there was this, uh, there was this farmer, his, his name was Cincinnatus. And so the Senate, he was also a senator too, but they, they voted, they said, okay, we're going to vote to give Cincinnatus uh, this authority to go in as a dictator to do whatever he needs to do to spend whatever he needs to spend to take out our enemy. Now, the question was always, will Cincinnati give back the power? That was what people didn't know. Because once you have that much power, you know, absolute or power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So what people didn't know was if Cincinnati would actually give up the power and return Rome to a republic or would it stay in a, dic- in a dictatorship? So the Senate says, well, we're in a dire state dire times, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. So they vote to give Cincinnati this power. So they give it to him. Cincinnati now has dictatorial power. He goes in, he crushes this enemy. He wipes him off the face of the earth. He does what needs to be done. And he comes back 15 days later after he did, after he changes everything and he ends up giving the power back to the Senate. And he kind of establishes his name in history as this guy who really had good a good heart when it came to wielding absolute power. And if uh, if you go to our founding fathers, George Washington was a member of a of an order, and it was called the Order of Cincinnati. And it was leaders who understood that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And there's a reason why George Washington this there was, was this was not a constitutional amendment yet, but when he was finishing his second term as president he said i'm stepping down after this term is over because i'm it's time for me to to move on and someone else to wield the power of presidency he he did that it was not it was not a constitutional amendment until after fdr and and so so george washington though understood the heart of a cincinnatus um, you know, and that's, and that's where we're going to, then we obviously have the, the, the city of Cincinnati that's named after, after Cincinnati. And so that's, that is where that whole concept of dictatorial power comes from. And is, yeah, we, sometimes we want everyone to fix the problem or we want one person to swoop in and fix the problem. But the problem with that is most of the time that one person, when he gets, when he or she gets the power to fix it, they don't give it back. And it just begins to spiral out of control faster and faster and faster and faster. That's why you have to be really careful. So I tell you that story to say, when you're looking at amendment number three, the attorney general, you're giving him more power. That's great when you have a great attorney general, but I don't want, fast forward down, we're going to have a gun battle. We will always have a gun battle coming. I mean, leftists want to take our guns away from us. That's they've, Beto O'Rourke has said as much. They do not want you to have guns. We know that guns are imperative for the defense of our freedom and liberty. If you are a, a law-abiding citizen, you should own a gun to defend your property, your family, but ultimately your liberty against tyranny. And so let's just play this out. Let's just say that, you know, the federal government or the state government even passes a law that says you're not allowed to own a gun anymore. Well, then you get a prosecutor or a sheriff in a county in Indiana that says, you know what? That's not constitutional. We're going to honor what our founders thought about everyone's inalienable rights. You know, the first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights, those are, those are non-negotiable rights. You can't change those. 
Those rights are you. You are those are God given uh, inalienable rights. You can't change them. We should never touch those ever. And so, so if the government comes in and says we're going to take away your Second Amendment rights, well, I expect good sheriffs and good and good uh, prosecutors around the country to say no, nope, not in my county. So, if you have a bad attorney general and you have a good prosecutor saying we're going to hold up and we're not going to follow through on this. Uh, this unconstitutional edict to take people's guns. Now you're going to have an attorney general that feels that they have the authority to step in and usurp the power of a prosecutor or a sheriff and go, you know, exercise tyranny. So that's why I tell you this because you got to be careful when you read these amendments. I know what it's a good amendment from the perspective of we want to outlaw abortion, but we need to make sure that there's protections in that it gives a very narrow scope to the attorney general. I think right now, from what I saw right now, it actually gives a larger scope to the attorney general than it should. So we need our legislators to narrow the scope and say, hey, this is only in, in the context of, of abortion. And I know that might be a hard sell, but, but that's what you got to do. You do not want to give more power than necessary to the attorney general. So um, anyway, so that's Amendment 3. And then you had Amendment 58, I believe. And that was the amendment to remove rape and incest uh, from Senate Bill 1. All right. So so as it came out of committee, it carved out exceptions. People could have, um, they could have exceptions for rape and incest. So, so seemingly, this is what would happen uh, if this bill passes in the law as is. Uh, someone could just say, hey, I was raped. Um, and I want to have an abortion. They could walk into an abortion clinic and, um, or into a hospital and say I was raped and, and, you know, give me an abortion. Uh, there was really no mechanism to follow up. They don't have to file a police report right now. The way that the bill was, was written is that there's an affidavit that needs to be signed and it needs to be notarized. Okay. So, um, but you could seemingly have a Planned Parenthood, uh, say, or a doctor at a Planned Parenthood say, uh, hey, I'm a notary uh, republic or <laughs> republic, uh, no, notary public. And, um, and, and they could say, you know, well, I'm just going to sign it for you. And, and, you know, just don't tell anybody. Now there's severe consequences for, for that's perjury. And, and if they get caught and found out, and if it can be proved in the court of law, there'll be consequences for that. But I mean, people could just lie all day long. And they could just go in and say, I was raped. And you could have a sympathetic, uh, you know, abortionist that says, no, we're going to keep doing abortions and we're just going to, we're going to violate the law and, you know, you know, bygones be bygones and, you know, come hell or high water, I'm not backing down. So that's kind of there. So again, that's where the bill was at. So amendment 58 would actually make that not happen because it would say, Hey, we're not going to carve out rape and incest exceptions. And I know that some people think that that's a real cruel thing to do. And and listen, I'm not downplaying the pain and the horrific torment that happens when a child or a person goes through a rape and and has to carry a child to term. Like that is, I hope that never happens to another soul on the face of the earth ever again. That is that is wickedness upon wickedness. But you don't fix a problem by victimizing another person. I know multiple people who have been conceived out of rape. And if this bill passes... And we say no, it's illegal to have an abortion except for a rape victim. If you're if you if you're conceived out of rape, then your life doesn't have any value, is what you're saying. 
And, and how do you look at these beautiful people who have, are now living amazing lives that God is now using and blessing for, and, and so much redemption? We have a story about that at our, uh, at our church. There's a lady, she wrote her testimony. It was published in the Hamilton County Reporter. Her name is Tori Dawson. Tori has an amazing, powerful testimony. She conceived out of a rape, and, but, but went through. Everyone was telling her, get an abortion, get an abortion, get an abortion. But she said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry this baby to term. She did. She had a beautiful baby girl that was 18 years ago. Her, her baby girl is now 18, also a thriving member in the community here at our church as well. Both of them are doing great things for the Lord. It's an amazing story of God's redemption. Tori has, has, uh, has married an amazing guy. The, the father just adopted um, the 18-year-old officially, even though like she, he was basically her dad most of her life. But you know, that, that now they made it official just a few months ago as an 18 year old. And so, I mean, it's just this really cool story of healing and restoration. And I asked Tori, I said, when you look at, you know, your daughter, do you, does it bring back traumatic, um, you know, visions of the rape and everything like that? She said, Oh no. She said, it's, it's one of, I don't ever go there. It's, I love my daughter. Every time I look at her, I'm so thankful for her. And, uh, and what God is doing through her. So that's one story right there. Okay. So when people say, Oh, how dare you, how, how dare you, you know, um, you know, make someone, you know, carry a baby after they were raped. Well, listen, God can take a bad situation and turn it for good. Now there is a carve out in Senate bill one, which I agree with. And that's in the case of life of the mother. So now you have the story of the 10 year old girl that had to travel from Ohio to Indiana to get, uh, an abortion because abortions apparently weren't, weren't, legal over in Ohio after Roe was overturned because they had trigger law language put in in Ohio. But if you actually go to look at their law, their law actually doesn't say that she could have had an abortion over there. This was a political ploy that I think people saw an opportunity. Here's a bad situation. Let's turn it into a political opportunity. Like Rahm, Rahm Emanuel said it best. He was Obama's uh, chief of staff. He said, never let a crisis go to waste right? Basically, every time there's a bad thing that happens, let's politicize it. Let's win political points and push our agenda down the field. Never let a good crisis go to waste. So that's what happened with this girl over in, in, in Ohio. And so they come to Indiana, they have this abortion and, uh, and people look at that and say, oh, well, if you don't carve out rape and incest, then you won't have a, we're going to have this happening all over the place. First of all, rape and incest cases of abortion are less than 1%. Okay, 99% of all abortions do not happen because of rape and incest. So let's just start there. Secondly, secondly, a 10-year-old who's raped and gets impregnated, that's, that is, that's a life of the mother issue. This is not a rape and incest. You can make the argument that she could potentially die because she might have this baby. Okay. That's different. That, that, that is completely different. I am okay with life of the mother carve outs because that is not abortion. That is what I call triage. That is a battlefield decision. When you, when you have, when you have death around you, the bad things are happening. You want the most amount of life in this bad situation to happen. And you have to make a battle time decision and say, well, that person over there has more chance of surviving than the person over there. Unfortunately, we're going to put our time and our resources and our efforts into the person that is actually has a chance to survive. And unfortunately, this person over here is just, you know, it's, they're not going to make it. That's triage. That is not abortion. We, again, abortion is the pursuit of death. Okay. We don't want to do that. We don't, we never want to pursue death. We want to pursue life. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, so here we are in Indiana. We've got this carve out for life of the mother. We got this carve out for abortion and, and incest, or I'm sorry, rape and incest. And then Senate bill, the, or I'm sorry, amendment 58 was brought up by a guy named Mike Young, Senator Mike Young, 
Um, and it said, hey, we're going to remove that carve out for rape and incest, which is just ticking everybody off. And it's causing a schism within the Republican Party right now. Now, this is kind of cool. I'm not always been a big fan of Mike Young, okay, as a senator, but um, no relation to Todd Young, just FYI, for those of you who are, you know, it's kind of confusing. He's our U.S. Senator. Mike Young is our state, is our state senator. But Mike, uh, a few week, a few days ago, came out and said, I'm, I'm leaving the Republican caucus because the Republican leadership is not, is not, uh, staying true to the pro-life principles that I think the party should have. So boy, kudos to Mike Young. High five to Mike Young. He gets up, he gives a powerful, um, he gets a, he gives a powerful word on his amendment, amendment 58. He said something, I wrote it down here. Um, when he was speaking, he said, um, exceptions. So these carve outs, he said, these exceptions equal death. So think about that for a second. These exceptions equal death. He's saying, if we accept abortions and make it legal for people to have an abortion after they've been raped, you're still allowing death of an innocent life. And we shouldn't be about that in Indiana. We should be about life and the pursuit of life. And so, so here, so that's, so that's where we are. So we've got this, and, and unfortunately that didn't pass. The amendment was voted on. 18 senators voted for it, and there were 28 senators, I believe, that voted against it, the amendment. So there is still a carve-out for rape and incest. Um, it's still a zero-week ban on abortion, but there's going to be a lot of ways for people to still get abortions in Indiana if this bill doesn't get better. I want to read something to you here from the Indiana Right to Life CEO, Mike Victor, he issued a statement today um, on SB1, and he says this. He says, Indiana right to life remains opposed to SB1. Even This is after all the amendments and stuff went through last night. So while we were encouraged by the addition of language giving the attorney general the power to prosecute when illegal abortions occur, this is what we talked about with Amendment 3, SB1 contains a vague life of the mother exception that will be easily exploited to cover most abortions. Now that means... SB1 in the life of the mother, basically any situation could be the life of the mother. So that gives doctors the ability, sympathetic abortionist, uh, a, a, a woman comes in and says, hey, I'm ha I want an abortion. And they can say, well, <clears throat> you know, abortion, you know, pregnancy can be somewhat life-threatening sometimes. Okay, well, you're, your life is in danger, so we need to have an abortion. When really there was nothing wrong. And so there needs to be, that language needs to be secured. So that's what they're saying. Um, so the, this, uh, it contains vague life of the mother, uh, exceptions that will be easily exploited to cover most abortions. An amendment to help fix this problem was voted down last night with the help of many Republican senators who previously indicated to voters on candidate surveys that they supported no exceptions or a life of the mother exception only SB one lacks any requirement that claims of rape. Um, that claims of rape be reported to police. So there's no, there's that we talked about this. They don't have to report it to police denying women the help they need while allowing perpetrators to escape justice and seek other victims. In addition, SB one redefines abortion so that the intentional killing of a fully alive unborn child with severe disabilities will no longer be considered an abortion under Indiana law. We'll come back to that. This changing of definitions will open the floodgates for funding of these types of procedures while creating a bypass of Indiana's ban on discriminatory abortions based solely on disability and a bypass of Indiana's ban on trafficking of aborted fetal body parts, all because the killing of these children will no longer be called abortions under the law. To anyone who might claim this is an abortion ban, we would simply point 
to the section of SB1 referencing new rules for existing and future abortion clinics in Indiana. We did not wait 50 years for the full reversal of Roe v. Wade for this. We stand opposed to SB1. Good on Mike Fichter because sometimes Right to Life has been a little squishy when it comes to standing standing boldly and they've they've tried to work with legislators and leadership and they've kind of, you know, you know, kept silent just so that they can, you know, say, well, we're going to have to work with these guys down the road. We don't want to tick them off too much. Well, I think Mike Victor's kind of had enough of that. I think he's saying, nope, we've waited 50 years and we need you guys to act and do what you said you were going to do. I want to, I want to say that he said um, there were many Republican senators who previously indicated on vote to voters on candidate surveys that they supported no exceptions or just the life of the mother exception only. Again, what I said, I, I'm all for my uh, life of the mother exception because that's not abortion. That's triage. But now you have Republicans who are backpedaling, 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 and they're saying, oh, well, that's not me. He, literally, the okay, somebody told Mike Victor, uh, one of our lawmakers the other day, he said, uh, he said, well, Mike, I've always been really pro-life, but I'm finding out that my constituency is, is less pro-life than I thought they were. And so thanks for all your support and the money and the door knockers and all the help throughout the years, but um, go pound sand because I'm not really going to do what I told you I was going to do. That's essentially what he was saying. So, um, so anyway, so also I love this idea that SB one, like, or I love the idea that he, that Mike Victor is hitting on. Uh, he's, 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 he's exposing something that the left do often. He says it lacks any requirement, uh, or I'm sorry, it redefines abortion. Now the left's tack, the left and their tactics are always redefining words. They've redefined, uh, words like marriage. They redefined words like racism and bigotry. They've, we, they re, <laughs> they've made up words like woke. All right. So, I mean, they are, they are constantly redefining what a word means. And here they are, they're doing that in this bill. They're redefining what an abortion means or because that way people can technically not have an abortion while all having abortion because we've redefined the word and we're not actually calling it an abortion. <laughs> okay. See, see where this is going. So all that to say, this is not a good law. I think Mike lays it out. I want to also look at this idea that um, you can abort children in this law that have disabilities. Now, I don't know if you guys saw my post a few weeks ago on my Facebook, but uh, Anna Navarro, she was a former uh, guest uh, or a former host of The View. Don't get me started on The View. Uh, Sue The View, by the way. Charlie Kirk, go after The View if you haven't been following that just Google Sue the view and Charlie Kirk is letting the, the ladies of the view have it because they were idiots and they basically slandered all the good students in the turning point uh, world. That's a whole nother thing. But Anna Navarro, who used to be a host on the view, she actually, uh, she, she said, this is so funny to watch. I mean, it was, it wasn't funny. It was sad, but it was funny to see the reaction of the CNN anchor, but she was making an argument at right after it was a day or two after Roe had been overturned. And she says, I have many, I have family members who are dis disabled. My brother's disabled, mentally disabled. My uh, step granddaughter and my step grandson are also mentally disabled. And it's very hard to raise mentally disabled children. And it's put a financial strain on our family. It's put a uh, emotional strain on our family and we need to make sure abortion is still legal so that this doesn't happen to other families. Okay. So I don't know if you caught this, what she was, <laughs> what she was pushing was the thing called eugenics. Okay. We are looking at the person. We are looking at the defects of a person. We're saying, ah, we don't like those defects. So we're going to uh, kill that 
that baby in the womb because we just don't want that to populate our society. And God forbid they procreate and actually have more children that also have more severe uh, disabilities. That's the left for you, okay? America, are you listening? That is the left. This is not rational people. And that goes back to what I said at the beginning. This is straight up demonic. This is There's nothing else about it. It's demonic. The, the, the demons have always gone after the most innocent of life among us. They do it in the womb, children in the womb, and they go after the innocent, the disabled, those who, re- I mean, I don't know if you've met anyone or have children that have disabilities or, you know, they're, they're autistic or they have Down syndrome or um, they, they are some of the most amazing people that this world has to offer. People with Down syndrome, they come into rooms, they light up rooms. If you've never followed Tim Tebow's organization called um, uh, A Night to Shine, it's a prom. It's a special needs prom. It's amazing. These, these like, I, I, I used to, the former church I worked at, we used to do these. And, I, I mean, you could stay in that environment the whole night dancing with these amazing uh, people because they just have the joy of the Lord all over them. And, and so, so there's that. And then people with autism, some of the most brilliant minds come out of people who seemingly don't function normally the way that most normal people do, but some of the most amazing technological and advances that we have in America have come because of these incredible autistic minds. So what would the world not have if we didn't have, you know, the Stephen Hawkins of the world or the, uh, the Albert Einstein's of the world who, you know, he was on the spectrum and you know what I'm, I just, this is the left. This is why I'm so passionate about standing for life because this has got to end. And if we don't do what's right now, if these Republican lawmakers in Indiana don't stand up and do what's right, then what the heck have we hired you for? I mean, this is the most important vote that you will ever vote on, both Senate and House. Get it right. Give us a bill that bans abortion. Protect life. Pursue life. And don't give me this nonsense that, well, we got to get somewhere because then we can come back and we can fix it. And if we don't get anything, well, then that's the worst thing that could happen. Well, if we don't get anything, it's because you guys aren't doing your job and leading. Leaders get stuff done and give us what we have asked for for years. Indiana is a supermajority Republican legislator primarily because of the pro-life issue. The right to life has supported candidates and fundraised for candidates, and candidates have have ridden the wave of successful campaigns on the backs of pro-life organizations for years. Now step up and do what's right. Be able to stand before the Lord someday and say, I did what was right in your eyes and nobody else's. If you can do that, that's what matters. Now it might cost you. It might cost you. And going back to Mike Young, Senator Mike Young, who brought Amendment 58 that was killed, that was voted down by 28 senators that seemingly don't want to protect the value of, of uh, children who, are, who have been raped, conceived out of rape. But Mike Young said this. He said, 246 years ago, there were men who had to consider what they were doing because they were laying down their sacred honor. They were laying down their life, their property, They were putting targets on their back when they signed the Declaration of Independence. And they said to King George, they said, you know what? Come and get us. This is worth it. Cost some of them everything. Some of them were killed. Some of them were tortured. Property was burned. But they said, we're going to do it anyway. 
That's the type of leadership we need now in America. That's the type of leadership we need now in Indiana. That's the type of leadership that we are desperate for in our culture. So step up and lead. If you're a senator, if you're a representative, if you're a lobbyist, if you're somebody that has the ear of any of those people, man, encourage them to do what's right in the eyes of God and to stand for justice. Because at the end of the day, if we are a just nation, then we will be a blessed nation. But if we walk the path of, of injustice, then we will, be, we will be living under a curse. So let's get out from under the curse so that the God of heaven and earth can bless us. Well, hopefully that made sense. Hopefully that was, uh, gives you a good update. Um, we're halfway through this battle. I think the session ends August 14th down at the State House. So we've got uh, another couple weeks here, and um, we're going to be praying that, that we get this uh, abortion scourge lifted from the state of Indiana. So, And by the way, if you're on the left and you're listening to this, or if you want to say like, well, you guys are only pro birthers. You only care about the baby until it's born. First of all, that's a really bad argument because you're basically saying it's okay to kill a baby just because there's a potential that they could grow up in a life of poverty. That is the same argument that Thanos used to destroy half of the universe in, uh, Marvel's end game. So, <laughs> so when you're, when your worldview aligns with the most, uh, you know, epic supervillain of the Marvel universe, you probably should change your worldview. Um, but there are a lot of amazing pregnancy resource centers. I think we have, uh, I think we have over a hundred and I think there's over a hundred pregnancy resource centers in Indiana. Just to put it in perspective. We have 92 counties in Indiana. So that's one per County at least. And so there's, there's pregnancy resource centers that are that, that provide free care, free diapers, free support, um, people like me in our church, we support the pregnancy resource center so that they can give to those who are in need. They don't have to charge them to go in and get an ultrasound, to go in and get formula and diapers and counseling and help. There is help. If you're in a desperate situation, we want you to know we got you. Yes, you're not going to be able to end the life of your baby, but trust me, you don't want that on you. My mom, and she would be happy if I share this because she shared this publicly. My mom had an abortion. My mom, and she, she ended up carrying this, this scar, and I saw it. She carried this scar always knowing that she, she killed her firstborn. I, I was technically the firstborn, but I would have an older sibling. And, um, and you know what? God's good. God healed her of that. God redeemed her. And, and now she's, she's fighting for life. She was uh, a big part of the Michigan Right to Life for many years. She uh, she ran the Hillsdale Crisis Hillsdale Crisis uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center. So so know that if you're in that same situation, don't don't compile a desperate time with a bad decision because all that's going to lead you to is more desperation. Desperate people do desperate things, and we want you to know that hey, in your time of despair. Reach out to the pregnancy resource centers. Reach out to the church. And by church, I mean the capital C church. Every church in Indiana, if you go to them, they should help you. Now, they may not, but they should. And if you can't find any other churches, come to our church. Come to Life Church. We will help you. I guarantee it. Well, you're not alone, and we got you in this. So stand for life, Indiana. Let's end this scourge of abortion, and, uh, and we're going to have a bright future in front of us. Well, hopefully... Today you were blessed by that and 
that's, uh, I, you know, to be honest with you, I had more stuff I was going to get to, but that was about 50 minutes of, uh, giving you the update. Uh, so Nathan, when you get back, maybe we can talk about this one. You should listen to this and give me your thoughts on how I did just, uh, going solo, flying solo, but it is a lot easier and uh, it's a lot of fun when Nathan's here and I miss him and I want him to get back so that we can do these uh, together again. But all right. Well, hey, you guys uh, have a good rest of your week. And um, until next time, stay speaking truth. Don't give up because the truth will set you free. This is Micah. Nathan's not here. It's been Jesus, Sex and Politics. Talk about all those things that are going to scare you. We'll see you next time.